You are listening to the Sound in Faith podcast coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And our aim is to encourage our church body and anyone else who might be listening to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's so good. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever written a rap song? <laughs> you've written lots um, of songs. You, you're into music. Um, Surely you've done Yes, that. I have. Uh, I don't know if I remember. I, I remember one of them. No, I mean, it was it was based upon the sons of Israel. <laughs> Reuben, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Joseph, Zebulon, Issachar, Dan, Benjamin, Gad, Asher, Naphtali. It's not necessarily in birth order, yeah. but it was the way that the, the meter of the song worked okay. out. And so, why do you ask that? I'm just, I was just wondering this morning. Has Thomas ever? <laughs> do we need a, a sound in faith rap? I, we should talk about the theology of rap music. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a whole other subject to delve into. Uh, maybe I'll write a rap song for us. There we I go. don't know. The anyway, sound in faith rap. The sound in faith. Oh boy. Yeah, we're already starting off on a good foot. Hey, a uh, couple of quick things before we dive into our subject today, and I'm excited about the subject that we're talking about today. I'm always excited about this. It's Me like, too. If we, we ever pick in a topics. subject and it's like, I'm really not looking forward to talking about this, then we probably need to wrap this and up. And it'll show. Yeah, yeah it'll okay. show. Uh, but two things. Uh, so we are, we do have a Sound in Faith Instagram page now, cool. Instagram account. And um, that's just to like, what we're, what we're doing through that is we're just uploading a few little short snippets, clips, and stuff like that each week. And that's a great way for, hey, if you're following us uh, on the podcast, and uh, you want a little teaser of some of the things that have been going on, or maybe you're behind a couple episodes and you want to you know, see what we've been talking about, uh, we're going to be posting some stuff on there. So just look for Sound in Faith Podcast on your Instagram account, if you have Instagram, and uh, you can follow us there. Encourage that. Very the, cool. the second thing is uh, the store. Ooh, so th- this is actually a church merch site, and it's going to include anything for like Faith Baptist type stuff that we're doing. Uh, as well as the podcast merch. So it's going to be faithsf.com slash store, mm-hmm. faithsf.com slash store through our website, and it will be linked on the app if you've got the Faith uh, Faith Baptist app. Um, I want to say something about that real quick, though. I mean, you know, we have our shirts and our hoodies and all that kind of stuff like that, and it's fun. We, mm-hmm. we like this stuff. But, you know, I've, I've found that it actually can be a real conversation starter with people. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know? When people walk in with that, and we start talking about the podcast. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you're, if you're wearing a Faith Baptist uh, t-shirt, hoodie, something like that, you see somebody, yeah. and they say, hey, you know, where's that? Where's your church? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was wearing this uh, vest I have here, this nice vest. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and, and a guy in, in the Verizon store asked me, he's like, what's the Sound in Faith podcast? Yeah. I got to tell him about it, tell him where to find it and all that kind of stuff like that. So, you know, you, you never know. You I think it's knows. great. I think it's great. The hats, and it, it's all pretty sharp, good, you know, stylish clothes. Uh, also, like, I, I parked yesterday uh, near Shields for something and right behind a car that had a big Faith sticker uh, yeah. in the back window. That's a cool way too. I mean, yeah. you know, those kind of things are really nice, and I, th- I think it's great if it's if this is your church, if faith is your church, uh, why not? Yeah, you know? and and just to clarify, we're not fleecing the flock here. I mean, if you if, when you see the prices that are listed, uh, we're, we're pretty much these are these are listed at cost, mm-hmm. and so we're just making them available to people in our church. They can order directly through the vendors mm-hmm. if they want to get you know if they want to represent. 
Yep. Good stuff. And that's great. You can spread the word. Uh, The other thing with spreading the word is, uh, and I hope it's okay to make just more shameless plugs here. Yes, you can. Okay. Uh, Like and share this if you're watching it on YouTube. Uh, Share it with your friends. Uh, Let people know that you like to listen to this. And, you know, we could... could, just spread the word, make make a bigger impact. We're we're not about making a name for ourselves, but if the right. Lord opens up doors for us to to edify the body of Christ and to edify others that that uh, may enjoy listening to podcasts and want to know more about theology and the Bible and all those things, yeah, we we would love to love to do that. Yeah, uh, to to use uh, to use one of my favorite new slang sayings, uh, we want to get the most juice for the squeeze. Most juice for the squeeze. Yeah. So. <laughs> Hey, so uh, speaking of squeeze, I don't know. That was a terrible segue. I don't yeah. know where I'm going to go with that. Um, so last week, uh, yeah. we talked about biblical theology. We had that funny little sponsor, fake sponsor at the beginning, you know, um, exegetical, yeah. the uh, fake medicine that will help you understand the Bible better. There's no magic pill, but there are good, sound uh, theological approaches to the scriptures that help us understand the Bible better. Yes, and the one that we talked about last week was biblical theology. That's right. Do you want to give a, a brief recap of that? Yeah, biblical theology. Um, it, it deals. It's like the, it's the discipline of studying the Bible uh, within the context of the Bible. So you're you're kind of looking at storylines. Uh, you're looking at redemption threads. You're you're also looking at like what does Paul teach about this, or what does what does the Johannine corpus say about this? That's those are questions of biblical theology. What does uh, what what is the meaning of the Old Testament? You know those bigger yeah. questions, um, and and how do how do things in the New Testament relate with the old and old with the new and all of those kind of things? Biblical theology. It's the big picture. It's like the zoom out. Mm-hmm. You know, in your Google Earth when you're looking at um, Sioux Falls, when you zoom out, you can see all of it, the airport and everything. That's biblical theology. That's so much fun to do. Yeah. When you zoom in. Uh, it's something else. Yes, it's something else, and it's what we're talking about today. We have some mighty books sitting here uh, on our table uh, that say systematic theology, mm. and uh, this is not the you know this isn't the extent of systematic theology books, but these are just two that I pulled off my shelf to bring here today. Burkhoff and Grudem. Burkhoff and Grudem. Now I want to say something because last week the title of our program was "What is Biblical Theology?" This week it's "What is Systematic." Theology, there's that word twice. Sometimes in Christian circles, even in Bible-believing Christian circles, the word theology gets a bad rap. Sure. And people are like, well, I don't want to get into all that. That's academic. That's dry. You know, give me something practical. Give me something that impacts my life. I just want to follow Jesus. Why, why is theology not dry, impractical, academic, heady, all of those things yeah, at, so, at its core. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the reason people think that, I mean, I mean it, it's it's kind of in the word, you know, ology, you know, mm-hmm. when you have something with ology after it sounds like the study of, because it comes from the word, word, saying, and so it's teaching about. Uh, the reason why theology is not boring is because of what it's teaching about, and that mm. is God, and God is infinitely <laughs> interesting. Yes. There is nothing in all of the universe— and this is not hyperbole, and it's not an overstatement. There is nothing in all of the universe more interesting than God, and and there cannot be. I mean, it'd be illogical. He created everything that is, yeah. And so he's the most interesting being in the on the on the planet. Now, I think some people come; um, they have studied it in a dry way. 
They have studied it in yeah. an academic you way. You can make it dry. You can. You yes, can. Definitely. And, and so you, you're, you're, the taste in your mouth that the word leaves could be uh, like dusty, you know? But it's, it's not that. And, yeah. and my encourage, I think the answer to dry academic theology is, uh, you know, robust, um, in depth, uh, theology that stirs the souls and heightens the affections. Mm. You know, that's the answer. It's not no theology. It's yeah. not, let's not talk about higher things. That's not the answer. The answer is, let's talk about higher things in a way that stirs up my affections yeah. for God. Yeah. You know, the the Puritan William Perkins called theology the science of living blessedly forever. Wow. That's nice. You I know, like and, and when you think about what he means by that, it's just so rich. Right. Uh, you know, we're, we're studying... We're, we're studying the joys of knowing our God forever. Amen. And so every Christian should be a theologian. Absolutely. Every Christian is. Every Christian is. Yeah, every yeah Christian not is. should be. They yeah, are. Good, yeah. good Whether they do that well or not, or right. whether, they, whether they're disciplined in the way that they go about it. You know, I think every Christian should be a disciplined theologian. We should work towards that. But, um, but yeah, all of us are thinking about higher things. Yeah. So let's get into systematic sure. theology. You uh, you defined biblical theology for us. You gave a, a quick recap of the the big picture. Yes. It's the thirty thousand foot view. It's the zoom out on Google Earth. Now the zoom in. Right. Let's zoom in, and that brings us to systematic theology. Yeah. So I, systematic theology is the study of um, different subjects about God uh, that are brought down. It's topical. Um, you know, it's topics about God themes. So, you, so it is also biblical in the sense that we draw our primary source of information from the Bible. Mm. Um, but then it's uh, systematic in the sense that these are these are topics. So, like the study, and so you're zooming right in on the leaf, right? You're going deeper. You're going, and you want to know all about God. You want to know all about mm. who He is. Mm-hmm. You want to know yeah. what He's like. And you're you're not drawing these uh, from one primary text or. Um, or even from an overarching thing, but what the Bible says in every place about a certain characteristic of God. So, like the study of God's omnipotence, mm. like that, that. Our understanding of omnipotence comes from many areas in the Bible. You're topically bringing those together, and you're making a system of 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 of, of theology that way. So then we end with the doctrine of omnipotence. Yeah, so, I mean, a clear example of this is something many, maybe many Christians have already studied, uh, if they've been walking with the Lord, are the attributes of God. You know, God's holiness, God's uh, infinitudes, He's uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, all of those things like that. We're, we're, we're taking a look at the whole Bible, and we're saying, what does the Bible teach about that? Right. How do we understand God? Right. In that in that context, and it's 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 a way that God has revealed Himself to us too, and it, yeah. you know, it's taking all of the Bible and saying this is who God is, and you you don't learn about who God is in a, in one particular passage or another, all by itself in isolation. You learn about it from from the way that God has revealed Himself in all of Scripture. Yeah, and so yeah, it's 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 super important. It's a super important discipline for the church. So let me let me let me pick up these uh, these books right here because I I want to get into. Why is systematic theology important? Because like a, a gigantic theological book like this can can look rather daunting, yes. you know, people. And not all systematic theologies are created equal. Yeah, um, that's right. It, some, I mean, there's been there have been systematic theologies written by liberal theologians that we would not commend to you because those are not theologians that are going to be 
upholding the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, the, the centrality of the, the gospel doctrines that right. we hold dear. But among brothers and sisters out there who believe what is true and believe the gospel uh, and believe the inerrancy of Scripture, there, there are great systematic theologies. So one of the one of the classics here is Louis Burkhoff. Yes. And I had to read this in seminary. It's all marked up. Um, I will say... Um, There's a renaissance of Burkhoff studies these days. People are more yeah. interested in him than they have been. My only complaint about this book was that the binding was horrible, and the book huh. would never lay open flat. It's literally bouncing. But just to give you... Okay, here, here's an example. I'll just read you the table of contents, the way he lays it out. Um, you know, he, he talks about dogma and theology in general. He gets into, uh, dog, you know, uh, things here like... Um, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. Um, the the nature of the Bible itself, and so inspiration of the Bible, inerrancy, bibliology, this bibliology, is the area of bibliology, yeah, yep. um, different, you know, different things along the way. The holiness of God, uh, the Trinity, the knowability of God. Uh, these are just the ex- the very existence of God Himself. These are topics that the- systematic theology right. gets into, and th- those are all under the heading of theology proper. Now, the the thing that I will say, you may disagree with me on this, I don't know, but, you know, Burkhoff is, he does write at a pretty high academic type sure. level. Yep. Uh, so it's not necessarily cuddled up by your fire with uh, your favorite cup of tea, easy, light yeah. reading stuff. It, it can be heavy in places. All theology should be moving towards practical application in, yeah. in the stirring of our affections in there. Uh, but for, for books that might come from a more academic perspective, you work a little bit more at that. You're, yep. you're getting into the heavy lifting of that. Yeah. Um, what's this other one right here? Yeah, so this is <laughs> Wayne Grudem, and he's definitely more popular level um, than, than Burkhoff. Uh, although I think when I say popular level, meant for people without training, meant for just you know everybody, uh, not those who have seminary degrees. And this one's signed by uh, by Wayne Grudem. No, no, it, it was signed <laughs> by a good friend of mine. Yeah, uh, yeah, who gave it to me. As so a it's 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 a little easier to read, more accessible. Yeah, um, but still, but still, like I I think it's really good. I mean, there's a couple of points of disagreement there that I would have with with Wayne. I won't go into any of those, but. Um, yeah, really good resource. We use it in our Shepherds Leaders training. We use the so uh, Grudem also wrote a dumbed down version of this that's yeah. even more accessible. <laughs> Not dumbed down. It's it's actually still really good and really rich, but it's simpler and yeah. more accessible. It's like and the message version. Of, no, no, no. <laughs> not quite. I don't know why I said dumbed down. No, that's not that's the right not, word. If you're in no. my Shepherd's Leaders training, you know it's not dumbed down. No. It's, it's, it's got lots of heavy meat there, and uh, it stirs up a lot of good discussion. But uh, it is more accessible than, than this one. Uh, so, uh, But this one is pretty accessible, too. In fact, this is my go-to, one of my go-tos. I really like this. And, you know, to your point, it's not warm uh, by the fire reading, you know, yeah. uh, but... I don't think it's meant. These are reference books, yeah, really, yeah. you know, and they're meant to be used that way. And so, uh, when I'm studying Christology, for example, the study of Christ, you know, um, yeah, I'll have a I'll have a, a systematic or two opened on my desk, and I'll you know uh, use them that way, read all that they have to say about whatever subject I'm studying, and then I'll close it and put it back on the shelf. You yeah, know, that's kind of I think the best use for those. Although some people read uh, these cover to cover. I read this cover to cover with some guys uh, that we were we were going through some th- 
you know, just walking through it, you know, and loved it and grew. But I, I don't know. It's not necessarily something I would do just by myself by the fire. So it, one of the things that I think is so valuable about systematic theology is it, it, is it gives you a framework to understand the Bible. As you're looking through the Bible, you're talking about like the knowability of God, okay? That's, that's one example from systematic theology. How has God revealed himself? Yeah. Okay, so he's revealed himself, natural revelation or general revelation, through, through what has been created. And okay, where do we go for that? Okay, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, and so we, we get a sense of that when we look at um, the scriptures. We say, well, can we see other places where God has revealed himself through what has been created? We go to Romans chapter 1, it talks about that those uh, all are accountable to God because of what has been created, because of his invisible attributes have been made known yeah. through what he has made. Okay, so we, we get that sense. But then, you know, the second half of Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, right. you know? And so there's a special way in yep. which God has made himself known. So we learn about general revelation, we learn about special revelation, and then we can begin to see the fingerprints of that over the whole Bible as we read it. We realize God revealing, for us to know God, he has to reveal himself to us. Absolutely. And, and, and how has he revealed himself? That's just one example. I mean, what are some other ways that you've found systematic theology valuable in, in your ministry and just in, sure, in your like Christian life? In, in preaching, it, it, it helps me. You know, so, so what I'm doing when I'm preaching, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a passage of Scripture, pericope, we call it, a one unit of thought, and I'm unpacking that, right? Um, systematic theology plays a part in that it governs, um, like, I don't know everything about God from that one passage, or mm. I don't know everything about Christ from that one, or, or man from that one passage. Like, there's, 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 it, it does, any, you don't expect the Bible in every paragraph to say everything there is to be said. You right, know? yeah. Uh, the world would not contain one paragraph, you know, kind of thing. It's, uh, uh, so, it governs, Systematic theology governs the way I I do theology within that with, with within that paragraph that you know so it brings up subjects of Christology. Well, like I'm I'm not limited in my understanding of Christology just from that passage, right? Yes. So it it'll keep me from leaving the boundaries of what the Bible uh. teaches about Jesus uh, to you know like it keeps me it governs it it's it's there as a as 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 uh, as boundaries keeping me within what the Bible teaches about Jesus, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, don't know if I, put that together I, I well. was looking up an example here because I uh, was just talking to someone um, about this in Genesis chapter 6, okay? I mean, here's an example of this. Systematic theology is so helpful when you come across passages that might seem to you or to me on the surface to be like, wait a minute, doesn't this doesn't seem to gel with the character of God. Right. Uh, or this seems different. And so, you know, when you get to Genesis chapter 6, it's about uh, verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. Right. You know, Okay, so if if you just read that one verse and you read the Lord regretted that he had made man on the yeah. earth and you have no other biblical context you you could come away with all kinds of errors. Yeah. God makes mistakes. 
uh, God regrets the way that we regret. You know, I mean, you, yeah. you, it can all be kind of skewed, and your understanding of God can be totally off without systematic theology. Right, yeah. Systematic theology comes and it governs this. No, there must be something different going on here than the kind of regretting that we typically do when we've made a mistake. Yeah. Because God makes no mistakes. Right? Yeah, I and, think, wasn't it the old King James that actually says he repented? Yes. Of make, you know, and so that language could be very confusing to us. Yeah, and, and just a few chapters later, yeah. I think it says, uh, God is not like man that he should repent. Right, yeah. You know, or the, so it's... I think it uses the same Hebrew word. I, I, you know, I'd have to go back and look, but um, yeah. So systematic theology—that's what helps us to. Okay, I have to wrestle with this at a deeper level and not just conclude from this one passage. Every, you know, all my thoughts about God and His regret. Yeah, and so that's that. I don't know if you can think of any other examples that might might come to mind, but sure. I, when you think about Jesus, you, you know, I'm working through John. There's going to be lots of passages that talk about His humanity. Mm. Um, and, and that passage might only really reveal something about his humanity. Um, well, systematic theology comes there and say, but he is God. He yes. Is, there's there's <laughs> divinity there, right? Right. Uh, but it might not be el- it might not be evident in that one pericope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's again, it's 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 uh, it, it's a it's a useful boundaries to my theology uh, about God. You know, because I, we've studied all of the Bible, all the way that God has revealed Himself to us. And that informs our our exegesis. Yes. So from a very, very down-to-earth practical standpoint, yeah. you know, believer, as you're reading the Bible, as you're doing your morning devotions, as you're going through, you know, our Bible reading plan right now, and, and you come to a, a verse or a section of Scripture that all of a sudden you're kind of scratching your head thinking, wait a minute, this shows God doing one thing or acting in a certain way, that seems to be very different from something else I read right. before. This is where systematic theology can be helpful mm-hmm. because uh, it's that one little passage is not giving us the totality, and we might be looking at that passage from, with the wrong set of lenses right. uh, in, in our understanding of God. It's so the entire study is super important because you know, like that, our analogy about about Google Earth, you mm-hmm. know, like if we're always at 30,000 feet, I mean, you take <clears> off in an airplane, um, you, you can't see any details of the houses once you're mm. at, you know, a couple thousand feet, you know, just maybe the color of the roof. And you, the higher you get, the less you see, you know. Um, we have to get down. God has revealed himself to us in more detail, right? Mm, yeah. And, and less generality. Uh, so if we just did stayed at the 30,000-foot level, uh, we would see the overarching themes, but we would not know really what God is like um, in the, in the details. I, in the, I, I'll give you another metaphor here for yeah. it. You know, if you look up at the constellation Orion, hmm. I'm, I'm a science nerd. You know, you look at Orion. Well, it, it appears to us from our perspective to be this flat image in the sky. All of these stars seem to line up, and it, you know, it gives us this you know constellation, but. You know, when you look at how far these stars are from us, you know, they're, they're drastic, drastically far away. They're just huge, vast differences away. And some of the stars are massive, more massive than our sun by, by you know, a couple hundred times. Some are smaller. And you, know, you get this depth and this perspective. There's more to it than what we just see on the surface. We see this one picture of this constellation, but... When we when we begin to examine it and look at it in more detail, we realize there's depth and there's 
there's there's variety that's going on there that makes up that whole picture. Right. And there right. there's a sense to that when we yeah. when we see. And so we've only been talking I mean we mainly be talking talking about theology proper and Christology. Uh, but theology goes different uh, has different subjects like ecclesiology. Maybe mm, yeah. maybe let's talk about a few of those just to give our listeners uh, like all the different things we're thinking about when we're talking about theolo- systematic theology. Yeah, I mean all of our the doctrines that we we can study in Scripture are ones that can be looked at systematically. Mm. You know, so the doctrine of uh, of the church itself, right. ecclesiology, ecclesiology. Uh, when when you look in the New Testament, and especially, uh, it, and you don't even have to. I mean, let's go back to the Old Testament. The whole concept of the gathered people of God is something that has its roots in the Old Testament. Right. So the Old Testament has a lot to say about it too. We see the greater fullness of that in the New Testament. That's right in Christ. Uh, but you know, various places we can go when we see the church begin to to gather together in the New Testament and what that looks like. You know, who is part of the church? Uh, how is the church to be led? Who is the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. What does the church represent? It's it's, it's Christ's bride, yeah. and we have this this joyful hope in the bride being united with the bridegroom uh, at, at the great consummation of all things. It's the systematic study of the Bible dealing with the church that yeah. led you to understand all of that that yes. you just yeah. mentioned. So yeah. ecclesiology, the study of sin. Um, mm. Hamartology, Hamartology, yeah. Uh, the study of man, anthropology, or yeah, right, yeah, anthropology. Uh, the stu- let's what what are some others? Um, um, the study of end times, eschatology. Eschatology, yeah. I was just about to say that one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, um, uh, the the study of of salvation. Yeah. Um, soteriology. soteriology yeah. You know, there's so many ologies in there, right. and don't let those big words. You know, scare yeah, you away. Yeah. They're just a way of describing. Usually, a, based on a Greek word, uh, and then ology added. You know, yeah. So we just yeah. put an ology, sounding faithology. <laughs> it's the <Yeah>. study of, <laughs> yeah, right. Beardology. <laughs> Beardology. <laughs> the next step. You can do it all. You can yeah. do it all. But it, it can be very helpful. I mean, we can just oh, take yeah. again. Uh, I know. I know we might be chasing this a while here, but you know, the study of man. Well, what is man? Well, there, there's so much to that. I mean, first of all, the the dignity of mankind, that he was created in the image and likeness of God. And so man is created in the image and likeness of God has a huge, it, it, it just totally changes your understanding of who human beings are. And, and the very, value, practical, right? very practical, right? Very practical. Very practical. The yeah, way I mean, that you approach life, the way that you, yeah. I mean, it, it is it is it is a biblical it is a thoroughly biblical anthropology that says all human life has dignity the very old the very young the marginalized the the the, um, mm. the oppressed there's human dignity everywhere and that informs our justice that informs so much about the way we do life the way we uh, the, the reason the, the reason we protect older people and the reason we protect the very young all of that is because of yeah. a strong view of anthropology. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I, we, could, we could talk about how practical this is by when you remove that theology from a society, you end up with uh, no dignity for human life and a lot of needless bloodshed. Yes, uh, yeah. The 20th century is so loaded with that, where, yeah. uh, where uh, a worldview tried to go bereft of God, like without God in the picture, and their anthropology became skewed, human life 
is no more valuable than than a, than a log of a fallen tree. And if you want to chop on it, you can. And so much chopping went on, like it was yeah, yeah. such a horrible, yeah. a horrible century. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's so practical. Every, and every every aspect of theology is like that. There's yeah. practical implications, and it, it not only governs the way I preach, it governs the way I live. And it governs the way you live, uh, listener. How, how then can we, you know, let, we, we've given some great examples of all this. We've yeah. talked about it. We've, we've seen the practicality of it, the use of it. It's not dry. It's not no. empty and academic, you know. It's, it's real stuff. It's, the, it's the, the glorious substance of what the Scriptures teaches. How then does someone go about studying this? You know, you know if they want to get into it, they want to know more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, um, by a systematic theology. That's, that's a <laughs> yeah, good way. that's a good one. Uh, Lagos Bible Software has a whole bunch of different um, resources that are systematic uh, in nature, the way that they're arranged. Um, and they're, they're from different, from different um, like, tribes uh, in, the, in the church. Uh, you know, the, there's um, Michael Enns, I think his name is, writes one that's pretty simple and easy to read. Um, again, this one by Wayne Grudem. There's lots. So yeah, I think I think getting a getting a systematic theology, uh, maybe starting a group. You know, one one, yeah. of, the, one of the things I loved, I, I've done this a few times uh, in my ministry, is getting a few guys who are very interested in systematic theology and uh, reading one together mm. or, you know, topically hitting like a dozen topics together uh, to where everyone would do the research. We'd meet a dozen times and we come together and talk about how, what we discovered about ecclesiology yeah. and just hammer that out and the different views and all of those kind of things. There's another great one out there that I've read before. I don't have a copy of it for some reason. I think I used to. I think I lent it to somebody and it never came back. Never came back. So if you're listening uh, and you have his book. <laughs> if you have my book, uh, Robert Raymond. Yeah, R E Y M O N D. That's another great one, and that that's actually a I think a really easy one to read yeah. uh, overall. Very um, very easy to digest. Um, another uh, one that I might recommend. This isn't so much a, a book, but I know that Ligonier Ministries have put a lot of R C Sproul's content yes. on YouTube for his foundations. Oh, good, uh, and you can find a lot of that out there. It's R C. If you were to look up R C Sproul Foundations. Uh, it's these little 20 to 30 minute lectures that he did where he he talks in very practical applicable ways about systematic theology topics so he'll talk about the omnipotence of God he'll talk about God's infinitudes he'll talk mm-hmm. about you know Christology and all of those things like that and it I I think those are great too yeah I those mean, are awesome it's great if you're working I, I've out to just, some of those re- really good yeah yeah um uh, J.I. Packer J.I. Packer put out one that's really small and easy to read called Concise Theology. It's also a systematic theology, mm. but it's very, very easy to read. And he, it's broken up like a devotional. So you read one day, you'll read one, you know, it's two pages about one, a, a subject of systematic theology. Yeah. And I found that really helpful. I just read it again just for fun, and it was really good. Good, yeah. Well, this has been great. Uh, let, let's just briefly cover these last couple of topics here, because I know we have some questions from listeners we want to sure. get to. You know, we talked about what it is, how practical it is, the value of it, how to study. Uh, how does, uh, you know, are they, like we said last week, there are some dangers, pitfalls potentially mm-hmm. with biblical theology. Are there any dangers associated with systematic theology? Yes. Um, you could go off the rails um, pretty easily if you're, not, if you're not holding it all together with the, uh, let me just say this, liberal theology 
goes off the rails because they unhinge, they un- unhitch, to use a, a term that's kind of loaded these days, mm-hmm. uh, their systematic theology from the Bible, you know, and that's a, a huge danger with systematic theology, yeah. where we just, we're drawing mostly from our thoughts and mostly from philosophy, and uh, and then we come up with a very skewed understanding of God. Um, you know, and then, you know, the, the reverse danger of, uh, you know, biblical, not having biblical theology, the big danger is you, you don't see the whole, you know, uh, the, the the reverse danger of that is if, you, if you're only doing systematic theology, you don't see how the Bible connects with each other. Yeah, you don't yeah. see you don't you, you don't see the Bible as a unit. You see it as a whole bunch of different disjointed things that you know. Instead of seeing it all being one book, his story. So you need both. You need biblical theology, and you need good biblical theology, and you need good systematic theology. You've got to remember there that the the Bible is is all about God yeah. and His work of redemption through His Son Jesus Christ. Right. And, and so there is a bigger picture. The, le- the, the leaves are still part of the forest. Yes. Uh, so just as with s- biblical theology, you want to be careful not to miss the leaves. Right. With systematic theology, you want to be careful not to miss the forest. Right, right, because yeah. you can be so into that leaf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. <laughs> that you miss everything else yeah. around you, yeah. yeah has so there it, are some dangers. You know, uh, has this impacted your preaching over the years? I mean, do you do you find yourself doing systematic theology every time you come to a passage? Yes, every time. Yeah. Every time. This week. This week I've opened a systematic theology. So, yeah, every, every week. And it, it just, it, it informs everything about the way that we, we go about doing Bible study, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I'm thinking biblical theology as I'm working through the Gospel of John, which is what we're preaching through now in faith. Uh, and I'm working through systematic theology because I'm learning more about what it says about Jesus and what does this teach me? And what does this teach me about his, his power and his the way he's revealing himself? When he says something like, my hour is not yet, you know, which is a phrase that came up this week. Well, what does that hour have to, what does it mean? You know, mm. you dive pretty, pretty strong into the atonement and understanding the theology that is, uh, you know, the atonement theology. Yeah, yeah. I I can't, I mean, every time I'm either preparing a sermon or preparing some kind of Bible lesson or study, I'm using both biblical theology and systematic theology. every time. Every single time. There's never a time where I'm only doing one or the other. And, um, you know, so they're they're both needed, they're both valuable, and I think an understanding of these, just for uh, our people that are listening, uh, when you understand better biblical theology and systematic theology, it will change how you're just going through your Bible reading plan. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, not to load our listeners up with analogies, but, you know, my wife and I had the ultimate long-distance relationship. We wrote letters, and she was in Siberia, and I was mm. here, and we wrote these letters, and I, you know, I'd read one of her letters. It'd be two pages long, and I could tell you what the letter was about. You know, if you asked me, I could tell you, you know, th- oh, this letter is about her love for me or whatever. Yeah. You know? This is before you got married, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. This is how we. This is how we dated. Dated, yeah. Um, I had met her, and then you know we we started writing letters, but then I read that letter more closely because I want to know everything I can about her. You know, and so the letter is about something, right? But I yeah. want to know everything I can about her, and I learned lots of different things from that two-page letter about her, you know, and what she's going through in her life, and all of those kind of things. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. You do them both, just in the general way that you 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 handle anything. You do both. You you there's a bigger picture, and then there's detail. Yeah, yeah, very good. 
Well, this has been great. And if you have, I, I would say, I would just put this out there to our listeners. If you have any further questions about biblical theology, systematic theology, if there's anything you want us to dive into a little bit more, uh, you can either go through the Faith Baptist app and go to the podcast and ask us a question. You can go to faithsf.com slash Faith. Send us more questions. We'll be happy to hopefully answer those on a future episode. I think we're going to do one of these um Ask anything's coming up, right? Uh, yeah, Sometime? I think that's the plan. We've we've had three of the Ask Anything episodes. Yeah. I think we're so load us up with more questions, and we'll we'll try to tackle them. Yeah, we're going to jump into a couple of listener questions this week that we've had come. Here's our smooth music for answer. More relaxed when we. Yeah, I know this is to make the answers really smooth. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we have uh, Anna Flowers asking this question this week. This will be a quick answer. Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain predestination versus free will? Sure. Um, it, it, free will is such a loaded a loaded concept. You know, usually when somebody says free will, they mean something like an unencumbered will or a will that has been uninfluenced by by God, you know. And I don't know of a will like that. You know, mm. I don't know of a will that has been uninfluenced by by anything that God has has done, you know, like when you think about how I when I think about how I came to Christ, I can see uh, God was superintending the process, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was, a, I was in a disposition to listen. I was in a, um, I, I was in a place where, where the gospel was preached and my heart was pricked by my sin and all of those things. That was God at work in me. So y- you could argue philosophically that my will wasn't free because God was moving and acting. Um, and I would agree probably with you that God was moving and acting and ultimate and all of those things. But I think at the heart, we think we're thinking genuine volition, like a real will, Yeah, you know? And in that sense, my real, my, my will was absolutely, my volition was absolutely real and it was mine. I wanted to be listening. I wanted to hear. Um, and, 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 and I was there and I was listening and I really believed. I wanted to believe all of that was genuine. So I had a genuine will but not one that was unencumbered, uninfluenced, unsuperintended by God. Mm. God was moving, and in His predestinative, His predestin, in 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 the in the will of His predestination, He was moving to accomplish His yeah. will. Does that? I, no, I, I think that's good. This is a huge topic. Huge. I think I think we're I think we are actually planning an entire episode yeah, of this sure. at some point. But you know, predestination. Uh, we could look at what the Bible says about that. Mm. We could do systematic theology. And we would see that the Bible does talk about God predetermining things yes. according to His will, and, and so it's a it's a real thing that the Bible speaks of. He does predetermine right. uh, whatever comes to pass. But and, it, it doesn't mean you're an automaton. It doesn't mean that right. you're a robot. It doesn't mean that you don't have genuine will. You, yeah, you have genuine will. You have a genuine volition. Yeah. So so that's probably not answering all of Anna's questions here. But that that is a, a you know an explanation of what those two ideas are. We God does predestine; He does yep. foreordain whatever comes to pass. Right. But at the same time, in the mystery of all of that, we still have genuine volition. We have we make meaningful choices right. and uh, responsibility. We're held right. responsible for our actions yeah. and our choices. Yeah. yeah. Good question. Yep. Uh, second question is uh, anonymously asked here. It says, "Can you love and forgive someone?" but want nothing to do with them because of their actions. Uh, how do we hold people accountable?
accountable? Yeah, so that's, I, I assume that question's loaded. Um, we all have relationships that, you know, or many of us have relationships where we can we can point to something like this. I, 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 what I come down to is that there's a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, that's a good point. Reconciliation always takes two people, always takes two people to be reconciled. You know, the two have to become, come into one, you know, to where they're in agreement again. Um, and, and, and that's not possible to do if the other party won't forgive you, you know, uh, or won't, you know, come your way. So I think you can forgive and the relationship not be reconciled. And that's yeah. a sad state, but that, that, that happens. You can pray for that person. You can love that person. You can forgive that person. As far as how to hold people accountable, that, that, that's a pretty general question. And it would really depend on the circumstances uh, and, and the context of, of what what you mean by holding them accountable. And so I'd, I'd like to know more about that before I, I give an answer. But um, I, I think what she means or what this person means is, you, you know, without letting them off the hook, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately, this is more complex than this. Ultimately, they're they're accountable to God, you know, and, yeah. and we can entrust that. I I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely a complex question. Yes, you can forgive somebody. No, you don't have to become besties with them after you forgive right. them. Uh, there, there can be relationships out there that don't result in reconciliation necessarily between the two parties. You know, hanging out each anymore, but but genuine forgiveness has been extended in the case where uh, you know there's actions that have resulted in harm, and there might be earthly consequences associated with that. There still might very well be. Uh, you know, punishment that has to happen. And you can think about like cases where people have committed crimes against others, you know, at the sentencing, uh, the victims forgiving uh, the perpetrator, but the perpetrator still has to go to prison. Right. You know, I, I saw one of those a couple of years ago. It was very powerful. Uh, the victim did just that, forgave, offered forgiveness. I forgive you. And then yeah. turned to the judge and said, I really believe because of the, 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 the gravity of his sin and the amount of harm he's caused that he should get the maximum sentence. Yeah. So she wanted justice, yeah, and she offered forgiveness, and it was all because of Christ's work. Th- those two don't contradict. No, no. One right. final question. I'll here. ask you yeah. that yeah. last question. So um, this is also from Mister Anonymous. How do we know if we are truly saved, and how should we handle doubt in our lives? You know, uh, this question's. I mean, it's kind of near and dear to me. Um, in my own life, uh, early on in my Christian walk, I, I struggled with mm. assurance of salvation. And, and some of that was formed by some of the legalistic teachings I, I had been around. Um, you know, here's the thing that brought healing to my soul, I would say, during that time. Rather than trying to focus on constantly figuring out, am I saved, am I saved, am I saved, I focused on pursuing Christ, mm. pursuing the knowledge of Christ. I love that. And so I read my Bible and understanding that reading my Bible is not, you know, me doing this is God is going to be pleased with me and then save me. And that's not what it was because I knew salvation was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But it's like, I want to know God more. So I spent time in his word. I spent time in prayer. I spent time with the body of Christ. And I was reminding myself daily of the gospel and others were reminding me oh, of the really gospel. Good. That's really good. And I found over time that a great peace came into my soul, and I I learned to to not worry about you know the the constant worry of am I saved am I saved right, am I saved. Right. My attention was focused not on that but on Christ, and as I grew to know Him more, my my doubts 
went away, yeah. you know, and that all that happened in my early twenties mostly. And, um, but that would be my advice in that That's pursue so good. Christ. I think pursue you, Christ. I think you said that so well. Uh, you know, the the wrong thing to do is just continue to look at yourself. You yeah. know, the, I, there, there's a sense in which assurance is brought about by the way that you see God having moved in your life and transformed you and brought, you know, the fruits that he brings about in our lives as Christians. But we're not going to get assurance. We're not going to become assure, assured of our salvation just by looking at ourselves. We must look to Jesus. And so the way you frame that, yeah. being among the body of Christ, um, being around brothers and sisters in Christ, all of those things help to quash doubt and build faith. Yeah, I mean, his word says, he who comes to me, he will never, yeah. ca- I will never cast out. Right. You know, so pursue Christ. Pursue Christ. You know, pursue him, seek to know him through the ordinary means of grace that he has given. Excellent answer. Yeah, well, you've been listening to the Sound in Faith podcast. Boom. This has been a great episode today. It's been a lot of fun. Can you wrap us out? I can beatbox, too. That's for a future episode. All right. Just a reminder, if you have any questions, go to faithsf.com slash soundinfaith. Check us out on Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform. Any final words, Pastor Mike? No. Uh, That's it. Go go with God. Yes, go. (laughs) Lord willing, we will see you Sunday.